2: For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/slash
3: awards. Only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com. Aslam alaikum and welcome to Smart Muslimer Podcast. My name is Farhat Amin I am an author and a podcaster. I've been running this podcast for I think it's been over at least four, or maybe even five years now. And Alhamdulillah, thank you for all your the words. Thank you for leaving your reviews on Apple Podcasts. Please continue to do so. And, you know, hit the subscribe button if you like what you're listening to. Share it on WhatsApp and you can share it on Instagram. My handle is The Mean underscore UK. If you would like to find out more about my books then visit smartmuslima.com. All of them are available on Amazon and from all good Muslim bookstores. Inshallah, let's begin the podcast. Do you feel as a Muslim woman that you can have a happy, balanced family life, and a successful career. Let me tell you why this question is important. In 2012, Anna-Marie Slaughter, an American international lawyer, wrote a now famous article titled, Why Women Still Can't Have It All. It's time to stop fooling ourselves, says Slaughter, who left a well-paid job and a position of power. The women who have managed to be both mothers and top professionals are superhuman, rich, or self-employed. So this is what she did. And there's, I've got a link to this article on my blog, you where you can read that, you know, you can read the whole thing. And basically she had a job, and uh, a very well-paid job. And what happened was her teenage son, she had two sons, They, he was, um, wasn't doing well at school and just generally in life, he was not, he was not doing well. And she decided that she was going, she needed to be back at home and be there for her son. And it's interesting that her husband was staying at home with the son already. So it's not like he was home alone, but she then decided to write an article on this and explaining why she felt society, you know, this is in U.S., and really, any you know, does not accommodate working mothers. How they it causes problems for within the family. How the children get neglected and have troubles. And um, the the feminist ideas that she held, they were not true. They she when she tried to live by them, she found she couldn't have um, keep her really good career and not sacrifice um, her family. You know, and, and the good well being of her family. So that is something that I want to discuss today. And um, before I do that, let's just have a let's have a look at as far as Islam, what guidance are we given? And the Prophet ﷺ said that um, take care each of you um, as you are shepherd, and each of you will be asked concerning his flock. A leader is a shepherd over his people, and he shall be asked concerning his flock. And a man is a shepherd over the people of his house, and he shall be asked concerning his flock. And a woman is a shepherd over the house of her husband, and over his children. And she will be asked concerning them. And the servant man is a shepherd over the property of his master, and he shall be asked concerning it. Take care then, each of you is a shepherd, and each of you shall be asked concerning his flock." and that's a hadith from in the book of bukhari so we know islam permits women to work outside the home but there is a you know condition there as long as we're not neglecting our primary role which is to take care of the home and well-being of our family you know that is what we are shepherds of so that's the very clear islamic perspective on it so bearing that in mind as well, um, I'd just like to bring in a, um, there's a really brilliant book I've been reading. It's called 21st Century Girls by Sue Palmer. She's a former UK primary head teacher and a writer, and she calls herself a childhood campaigner. Now her book is a real eye-opener. It's called 21st Century Girls, How the Modern World is Damaging Our Daughters and What We Can Do About It. So this is what an extract I've taken from her book. Over the last 40 years, as women's earnings have been absorbed into the economy and the dual income family is now the norm, for mums bringing up children on their own, they often have no alternative but to work. If you don't have extended family or friends close by to help or your husband works as well, this can mean you have to put your young child into daycare. This can cause anxiety and stress known as mum guilt. Now, I remember feeding that guilt when I was a high school teacher. So this is a real problem faced by all women, you know, and women who want to work, you know, in particular, actually, maybe not all women, I'm just going to, you know, women who... who you know, want to work, and, and we know there are uh, many reasons why. You know, you could be a single mother, you could be um, divorced, you could have you, you're not. You know, your your it falls upon your shoulders to earn money. And so, um, what I want us to do is re- just explore how women are treated. So we've got two. I've I've you know I've looked at the views of two non-Muslim women, and they're not happy with the situation. And they're very vocal. These women are vocal about it, that they don't just, they're not just accepting this is the way it is. And uh, therefore we must accept it. So in the same way, I think as Muslim women living in a liberal secular society, these are problems we're facing, issues we're facing. And we should also not just accept it um, and think, yeah, I just have to go out to work. There has to be alternatives. And especially for us, we have guidance, um, and we have to go back to that or we're really just grappling in the dark because both these ladies give some, you know, try to give practical solutions to this problem. But um, they're not, um, I, I didn't see them working personally. Uh, but Alhamdulillah, we have been given, guide. we've been given solutions from our creator. So that's really, let's, you know, look into this subject, inshallah. So to help me explore this subject in more depth, I have Mindful Muslima here with me. She's based in the US and is a licensed educator with 23 years of experience in teaching and parenting. So I wanted to speak to the sister today in this podcast because she used to be career oriented, earning a six-figure income. However, she turned her back on her dream job to wholeheartedly embrace her role as a mother and wife as alaikum sister. How are you? Wa alaykum, alaykum I'm good, sister. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure and an honor. Alhamdulillah. So please tell um, the listeners a bit about your background. Sure. Um, like,
2: uh, like you mentioned, I'm a licensed educator of 20 years. Um, I worked for the public and private sector in the Board of Education in the United States and also in the private schools, Islamic schools. Um, I also worked a bit of time in Dubai or Dubai. And um, just to put into perspective of just like where I came from and to where I am now, I started out, I got married very young, about 19, and I had two children, and when I was going to school, I was taking about 18 credits, and I was working two jobs, and, and, and actually two and a half sometimes, sleeping very little, but just working really hard to try to, you know, finish my degree. I went on, I, I finished my master's, everything from Hofstra University, if anyone knows that university in the U.S. It's pretty um, famous in New York, and then, um, you know, I went on, I worked really hard, and my goal was to get as high as I could. I have a, a background in teaching, so I did teach. I went on then to do uh, teacher training. And consultancy, and I ended up getting hired by um, a private company that had all ex-employees, kind of like a startup. And now I, startups are super big, but um, back then it was a little bit less um, normal to have startups. And they were uh, a group of people that we used to work for the State Department of Education. And Bill Gates ended up funding their um, their work, so it was like a nineteen million dollar project. And um, I was working there, and that's where I was making the the six figures there. And that, what I would say, was like the pinnacle of my career. Career, and I was, you know, this is kind of those jobs that you just, you just say, oh, I've arrived, and that's mm. it. So I went all the way from working really hard and like kind of, at a, we weren't, we were pretty poor, all the way to like I've made it, and now I have everything that I'm supposed to quote unquote have.
3: Right, and so did you have children whilst you were working? Uh, like once you reached the top of your, you know, your profession.
2: Yeah, so uh, subhanallah, I was uh, divorced, so I, I, I married, I divorced and I remarried. So when I was in the middle of going through college and stuff, I was in my first marriage, and then I divorced, and it was very hard. I was struggling as like a single mother. So I understand that struggle, where you're still just trying to make your career and you know, oh. make everything easy for your children. And then as I went on, so at that point, I had two children before, uh, while I was still trying to finish getting my degree and my master's. And then I went on now, um, like, like you, you noted, I have more. And so, um, when I was, when I had finally got that job for the six figure job, I was on my, my fourth child. I also have, um, another stepchild that I raised. That's the fifth one. If you really want to count, I'm kind of raising another one now It's sixth. But, um, the truth is, uh, I we just had a baby at that time, my fourth baby. So yeah, for sure. I definitely had children and I was taking care of children.
3: So then, I'm. I'm just thinking that I like when I was studying in uh, university, and um, I the only way I could do that, I was. I had my three. Yeah, I had my three. It was the only way I could manage. That was that my mother really. She lived nearby, and she really helped me. And then my sister in laws. Again, they were very. And at one point, I had a friend who she stayed. She would babysit for me, and mm. I, even though I. Uh, uh, and so, how did you manage with your childcare?
2: Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. It's, like you said, it's it's not easy, right? Every, when you choose a certain path, everybody kind of gets involved. It's not just your path. Everybody's affected, right? So um, for me, it's the same thing. My husband stepped in. My husband helped me immensely. My mother, my daughters, because at the time, like I had children, those two children in the beginning, and then I waited 10 years and then they had two other children that I birthed. So I had children who were older and they would kind of help me at that time. They were teenagers and they would step in as well. So everybody kind of helped and chipped in a bit. And that six-figure job and the job before that, they were um, either part virtually or virtually. And so the beauty of it is I was at home and I made an intention to purposefully do that. However, it was such a high-ticket job that I was traveling. And I remember I was breastfeeding. And sadly, um, after a couple of months, I would, the, the milk in my breast, I couldn't even breastfeed any longer because the amount of like plane time I was going from um, city to city in the U.S. So um, it, it was kind of good because I was home. But you're never quite there for your children because you're working while you're home. It's a very tricky situation as well. But definitely, all hands were on deck for sure.
3: I know it's it's interesting that um, just just listening to you say that I'm having flashbacks when I, <laughs> when I had to do the same. And I remember how um it, family. You're right. Family would be there to help. Um, uh, you know, husbands there to help. But um, the idea. Did you ever consider? putting your children in daycare uh, yeah I actually
2: like like toyed with it a bit I put them in took them out um, even when we were in Dubai and I was living in Dubai um, I put them in and sadly um, in one of the nurseries there it's a whole nother long story my daughter was harmed and thankfully everything was on camera when I was in the US there were a bit different regulations and it was fine but it was other issues because they were picking up things from other children because sometimes there weren't always like Muslim daycares available and they would come home with all types of behaviors. So I kept trying like, you know, sis, to try to do different situations to see what would fit, Mm. but never, nothing ever felt quite right. And everything had its like its consequences. (laughs) It was never quite the perfect fit.
3: Yeah. That's, um, and, and that's something, um, we'll speak about a bit more near the end, near the end of the episode. Um, so then would you describe yourself what was your reason for wanting to like you know to have to work that hard what was the you know the goal in your aspirations um, so
2: for those of you who don't know me in, in in your community or in my own community, maybe they'll listen to this, they might not even know because I don't talk about it often. But I, uh, I'm a revert. Alhamdulillah, I reverted to Islam in 2003, actually with uh, Sheikh uh, Yusuf Estes. Um, may Allah reward him. Oh, okay. at, at, yeah, Alhamdulillah. And um, the thing is... Um, I grew up in a family like one of those just regular American families where you're taught that you should go to university, you should, you know, shoot for things like Yale and Stanford and all these big places. If you can't get there, you get as high as you can. And you're expected to be a career woman. In fact, my mother was a career woman. She was um, like a huge manager in Chase Manhattan Bank. And, you know, I was always taught from the beginning to be extremely driven. And I should contribute to society. Now, when I became Muslim, you know, I understood the role of the the woman is slightly different. She still is encouraged to work, but there's this different sense of accountability. In the American system—I don't know how it is in the UK, but here, um, in 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 the for the non-Muslim, uh, it's considered 50/50. So the woman should contribute 50% of, of you know to the bills and the mortgage and so forth, and the husband should as well. Now, when we, we when I crossed over to Islam, it's no longer required of me to pay for things my husband should take care but of course anything I I do contribute would be considered sadaqa and that's always great but it's I'm not obligated but Islam does encourage us for education but again it's not something like I'm as driven so I guess the American uh, mentality here is to to do this for the females and I think that's only become more and more in this day and age now and regardless of where you live and so yeah that was just kind of ingrained in me my mother was a very hard worker my family was extremely hard-working people and so me it was understood that i would contribute and i would contribute at the the greatest capacity i could Mm
3: -hmm. i I would say that now in in uk that's a very similar attitude that Mm. non-muslim women have had that for a long time and now um, it's interesting in the muslim community it used to be more the idea that mum would be at home and, and that was seen as fine but I think with the younger generation, when i was speaking to my um, to younger friends I have and, and and my nieces as well, that they have the idea that we will work and mm. we will the you know it's just it's this idea yeah we we we'll work we'll have our own money. Um, but what is interesting is they don't, they don't want to. Then um, this is what I do find slightly funny that young Muslim women and and you know and. Uh, I'm. I'm not judging them for saying this, but it's that I want. They'll some some Muslims will take the aspects of Islam, so I don't want to contribute, but I don't want to stay at home either. It's, mm. You know, it's it's mm. like a. I can almost it's like a slight confusion. Like they uh, want to pick and choose what they want to adhere to or not. Yeah, that's to. what I'm hearing, yeah. and I and yeah. I think you. But you need to. So you. If we're going to take that attitude, it's you know I'll take what suits me. It's, Mm. you know, I I can see there being a lot of problems with that because the reason why I say that is that that is the way that your average non-Muslim woman thinks about it. And in Mm. the UK, um, uh, as I don't know how, uh, what divorce rate is like in, well, one, people don't bother getting married in the Mm. UK so much.
2: Yeah, it is getting delayed more and more here as well. hear about the the, the rate for divorce, even with the second, like if somebody divorces and tries to remarry, the average is still about 50% divorce rate.
3: Yeah, that I would say that's about the same here. And and part of the, um, so there is that aspect. And I do wonder when, you know, um, when there isn't harmony and and even really um, like a baseline and and, and, uh, principles upon which to decide, okay, okay, so like you said, the idea is it's going to be 50-50, but then when that doesn't happen, um, people then said, well, how do they solve that problem? um and you know in particular and i think when if we're thinking once the children come along and mum can no longer is no longer work like what should mum do should she carry on working should she like here they have maternity leave for a couple of months, maybe, maybe six to nine months you can take. Not here. (laughs) Here, here,
2: here, here, there is no maternity leave, no paid maternity leave at all, which is why we, I actually wish the U S would take on some of the, the things that that Europe does because generally throughout Europe, there's some type of maternity leave and even paternity leave that's paid here. It's not paid now uh, with the teaching profession and some other choice professions, you do get paid leave, but it is only up to six weeks. And um, then you will, at the end of six weeks, lose your insurance anyway. So, I mean, of course you need insurance with new babies and so forth. So it puts people at this predicament when they're forced to go back to work. And I think they almost do it that way intentionally. And so, yeah, there is a pressure to abandon your baby shortly after it's born, which is a, a very hard thing for the Muslim community here because you mm. want to do this career. But then as a mother, your heart is like, oh, this child needs me. Then you're like, oh, but I have obligations to career. And that's where you're kind of torn into two places. And that's when... when Women have that pinnacle moment of choice, and it does leave a lasting effect on the family that she leaves behind should she choose to leave.
3: I know that actually sounds really tragic. I didn't know it yeah. was that bad in US. That yeah, yeah. Um, because what what's a woman supposed to do? And I can that actually really makes me understand why women end up going to, back to work. It's very easy for someone to say, "Oh, well, why you should be at home and why aren't you taking care of your child?" But let's say, for example, a single mom. If they are the only person who, um, you know, is the breadwinner, they do mm. have they have no choice if they haven't got family nearby. Um, Yeah.
2: I think also the cost of living, right. And in certain parts of the UK and in the U S, especially where I am in New York, it is very high. So if you do want to live comfortably, many times people do want to have two incomes or they just like a lot of people now they're just choosing to leave New York because it's just too much. And so, you know, women then, you know, say, well, I I want to have this better way of life. You can live in a very, very small place. here still in some parts of the U S and it still will be very, very high if it's a major city. So you, a lot of people now they're moving to different parts of the U S but yeah, for sure. There's these, it's like, what type of lifestyle do you want to live? Are you okay with living a more humble life that you can stay back and not go to work? Or are you forced to go to work because your husband's job doesn't make enough and the cost of living in your city is that high?
3: Yeah. These are decisions that, you know, we have to think about carefully Um, because, you know, ultimately you have to, you have to think what is best for the family. I think that should, that's, um, you know, and, and every mother and every, you know, father that they do think of that. Um, But okay, so then what made you decide to leave your job then? Because that must have been a really big deal for you.
2: Well, you know, it's funny because I I had gotten to the point where I was like, it was, it was a very rewarding job because it was one of those jobs that are like these new, you know, these new, you see all these startups and these people doing all these things right now and everybody gets to live virtually and nomadic and and had all of that. And on top of that, I got to take the, the, at that time, I think 15, 16 years of experience I had in the educational system. And I was now the expert in the room and I was going around and I was training principals of schools. I was training entire administration. I was able to speak for the voiceless. I could speak for the children because like my background was also in um, in immigrant affairs and English and things like that. So for the new families that came into the U.S., and they were really grappling with the curriculum, or grappling to fit in, and, and, and that you know things were catered in a way that would be most suitable for them, I could actually speak, and in this case, also for the Muslim community. So it was a really beautiful thing for me. However, the thing that made it clearly evident, like my first red flag, was when I originally signed up for the job, and, and you have to understand, I don't know how it is again in the UK, but in the US, when they pay that much money for you, um, things change. They consider like they own you, and I've actually had two particular conversations that I'll cite here that gave me those red flags. So when you, the higher up you get, and I think a lot of women might not really Yet what happens? The more money you make, the more of your own personal rights and time you have to give away. Because when people are paying you that much, or your job is that amazing, quote unquote, um, they're expecting a lot more of you. And it become your career doesn't just become your job; it becomes your life. It's all encompassing. And I only ended up finding out later on that many of my colleagues were almost in the middle or the, the brink of divorce in their house because they themselves were not present. It's much as their spouse needed them to be now these were non-muslims even so imagine in a muslim community as a woman my my job is even more important i have different obligations necessarily than their their dynamic but still even though there's this 50 50 they couldn't even hold up their 50 let alone their 100 Ooh. so so you know subhanallah so what happened is the first red flag was when i got the job i said okay i take the job but i was very conscious that i still wanted to be present i had just had a baby i have children that i that i want to make sure they get to school and i want to send them off and i said so i want my hours to be such and such and i need to be able to pick up my children and drop off so i just don't need any Meeting scheduled at this time in this block. And it was, they were like, fine, fine, absolutely. They were very excited to, to, to have me onboarded. And I went through everything and about a month or two in, um, they started to schedule meetings during these times. And so I said, and, and, and some people would say I had like the nerve to speak to the CEO. I mean, we're talking, there were politicians vested in this. There were people who are just high ranking officials, state officials that these were people who gave me this job. You do not, cough you do not say like you say say oof you don't say any <laughs> people you have a nerve people are dying to get into this job that I got and I was like I'm so sorry I'm not gonna be able to make that meeting because that's the time when my daughter um has to go off to school and it's just like dead silence and everybody's like what do you like you just said that did you really just say that and I'm like yeah I'm so sorry I was you know, I was not super apologetic but I was just mm-hmm. a matter of fact and polite and then I I, I I someone called me in for a private meeting and said I just want to let you know. We don't expect you to ever say that to us ever again, because wow. you need oh to find God. you need to find a nanny. We <gasps> he didn't say we own you, but he's basically said like if you're not always going to be there at dinner, you're not going to be there to pick up your children. You need to find yourself a solution because when we need you, and was, I was kind of on call 24 hours because they're having meetings. It was it was very like inventive. Everybody was coming up with strategies, and it's like you know those things where you have those big whiteboards and the team comes together. Yeah. It was very exciting. It was very exciting for me as a woman because someone is saying, here's a Muslim woman, I'm wearing hijab and they put me in a top position. I could speak and help the Muslim community. My sense of servitude for the community, it was, you know, I was just like so compelled. This is exactly what I've been wanting to do my whole life. But, but it was clearly going to be at expense, at the expense of my job as a mother this is my fault this is the thing allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will ask me about when i die he will not ask me if it was in the board meeting (laughs) this will not even be one of the questions so for me it was very very hard so that was the first red flag and then the, the second one when was when my husband came to me maybe like five months into the job and he said we miss you Oh, not here with us. You're here with us even. But when you're here, you're still not here because you're in the other room with your headsets on a computer because it was all virtual. You're on Slack, we're on Zoom, we're on all these meetings. And he said, you're just not present anymore. And I feel things are changing. And so this was a little red flag, but it still didn't tick enough, but it got me to, you know, get a little bit older. And I'm like, but I could figure it out as a woman. I'm like, oh, I can make it work
3: yeah that's yeah we course. think that's what we think we think we're super women oh, yeah. and oh yeah it's yeah, yeah please carry on
2: <laughs> yeah no no for sure and, and these are the moments as a woman when and this is when I now you know looking back you know i i realize these are the moments that are really important because I thought I could just figure everything out. I could have it all and I could figure it out. And, you know, there is that question about having it all. And I and I know we'll get to that. So I think that's something we should really talk about. But there are these signs and these moments as women that we have to stop and reflect and we really have to check and audit our situation and say, is this really working? Not just for me, but for everybody. Because there's a different level of accountability for Muslims and for women. And we know like the our, uh, for men as well, of course. I don't mean just for us as women. I mean, as a Muslim, yeah. so as we believe in. our our Lord and, and meeting with him where other people say, oh, you know, maybe they don't even believe in God or maybe they have this other vision, but we know for sure. So yeah, there there is these things that we must consider.
1: Hold up. What was that?
3: Yeah, I think that because it, it, at the end of the day, the, um, the amount of money going into our bank account, we could be have, have thousands and thousands. But mm. if your husband isn't happy with you, if your children aren't, um, again, they're, they're, not be, they're not getting the time and attention that they deserve. Mm. You as a Muslim, that's not a situation we can just, you know, because then what will happen? This is the way, you know. I'm reading a really interesting book. I just finished it. It's called um "21st Century Girls" by Sue Palmer. I recommend everyone mm. to read that. And she pinpoints these very same issues that women are facing all over the world. Yeah. That and uh, and okay, she she comes from it. It's interesting. From um, she used to be a feminist. But then over time, she's realized that um, this idea that, you know, so, uh, you know, as you know, in, you know, second wave feminism, it was a push to get women, leave the home and march out to work and get your rights and be treated, you know, for your use, you know, use your intelligence and you don't need to be a, a, a in servitude at home, that somehow being in servitude at an office and like you've just described, it's you were in servitude to your bosses and yeah. Um, it was like my boss became my husband
2: and I would answer to him no astaghfirullah I would answer to him more than I would answer to my husband and if my husband said something to me I said I have to check with my boss as if he was above my husband and I got into that frame because I I didn't at that moment you're grappling with these decisions in the moment and you can't quite see you have to pull yourself back and so there were times where I had to stop myself and now I've come uh, very far from that person because in that moment I was doing what everybody told me I should do my mom was happy with me she saw me reach what you needed me to reach you know your parents raise you they want you to be proud they want to feel they took care of you and you got to where you know you're self-sufficient and even more so you're you're doing above and beyond and they feel proud but then it gets to this point where as a Muslim you say but am I fulfilling my obligation that I was created on for this earth as as a human being to my creator to my husband to my child and to what you were saying before like the thing that, that I realized after a while is the effect it has on the children unconsciously and how sometimes it doesn't show up right away, but later on. Now, I happen to have children in their twenties now. And so and I, my, my youngest is four, but my, well, now she just turned four, but my oldest one is 23 that I raised. And so I turned to them and I honestly asked him, tell me what were some of the difficult things when we were, when I was raising you? Tell me some of the things that were really Great about our family dynamics, and I get that honest feedback from them. So when I speak to women now, I'm telling you like I saw what I did play by play, and I got to see full circle what the the, the result of that was on on all different levels, and so I pay a lot of attention to that feedback from my children. I ask them usually, and when they tell me something, I know, and then I, now I know, and I shift course, but in that moment when I was younger, it didn't all make as much sense to me. I was so caught up in the career thing, like you're saying.
3: Yeah, that's it. When you're when you're making those decisions, you the thing is that we can't look into that as parents. We can't look into the future. Yeah, but what I'm doing now, how will that affect him in five years' time? And yes. partly, I think one of the reason why I am doing this podcast is to having again. My son's twenty now, and I can see the um, genuine mistakes I made mm-hmm. having. Uh, you know working and my kids were um okay they were at school but you're right that if you're you you bring work home the troubles that you have at work you bring them home with you yeah you know you can't cook you're not cooking home I wasn't cooking home cooked meals it's hard it yeah. put in the oven or getting takeaways and the effect that has on the children's health you know get, yeah. letting them spend too much time watching tv or playing computer games because I need a bit, I need to actually have some quiet time because I've been so busy at work. Mm. They're the things you, you, oh, you see the effects of in five, 10 years time. And if you're not, I I can see if, if, you know, I wasn't around when I should have been. And then you think, well, then the children will turn and I think, well, you, you weren't around for me when I needed you. Why should I be around for you? Yeah, absolutely. They're not robots and they're definitely not dumb. Um, yeah. And, and a
2: lot of women, they think, well, it's just a little bit here and a little bit here, but there's this saying, many littles makes a lot. And and after a while, that stuff adds up. And when it's consistently happening, too much screen time or too much of the absence of a certain parent, day after day after day, when you add these hours and days up, it becomes something very very serious and we don't realize it like you said because we can't always look straight ahead and we always assume it's just for a time and then i'll figure it out but the time passes and passes
3: yeah that's it now it's it's um all of the the issues that were raised uh, were raised by um there's a there's a really famous article that Anne maria slaughter she wrote this in 2012 and um she's an american international lawyer she, she's you can if you google her she's also involved in um, foreign policy foreign policy analysts um and she said that she, again she she wrote basically the article was titled why women still can't have it all and um and what she describes is that she was working she again she had um, her dream job but she had uh, she realized that her teenage son was um it uh, basically he was going wayward and even though this is interesting her husband was staying at home a lot and taking care of the kids her two teenage boys
0: she Mm. realized
3: that if i don't um i need to be there i need to be present i need to be at home otherwise my i'm basically my, my son's ruined you know and and but what's interesting was um so i'm just gonna read out one of her quotes she said um She argues it's time to stop fooling ourselves. Says a woman. This is her. Says a woman who left a position of power. The women who have managed to be both mothers and top professionals are either superhuman. They're either really like super rich or they're self-employed. So one of the things she's saying here is that you can have it both if you're really rich and you can have and but you can stay at home and you choose your hours. But for the other, the rest of, you know, for normal women, they have to, there's a choice. They have to, they're either their family life is, you know, um, uh, you know, goes downhill or their career. They won't do as well. And if they choose to focus on their family, they won't do as well in their career. And that's the way the system, you know, um, in Western countries in particular, that's the way it's set up. And it's like set up against women and against mothers. It's not pro-motherhood or pro pro-parenting. Yeah, yeah, subhanAllah. Um, I'm going to read another little bit. She says, "Uh, women of my generation have clung to the feminist credo we were raised with, even as our ranks have been steadily thinned by unresolvable tensions between family and career, because we are determined not to drop the flag for for the next generation. But when many members of the younger generation have stopped listening on the grounds that glibly repeating, you can have it all, simply airbrushing reality and then she says it's time to talk about this problem and um, you know she's she's really famous for, for writing the article and because and the reason why she she was one of the first women to actually point out that no we can't have it all and our families are being you know there's problems happening when women are going out to work you know women are going out to work to the point where they're being made to neglect their family they don't want to neglect their family um, but that's what's happening because of the way it's set up. Um, would, you, would you say that um, the problem like within Muslim um, mums and working mums that you've spoken to, do, do they feel this problem as well?
2: Yeah, what I notice now in our generation that's coming up now, like the millennials generation, and then the you know the maybe the sisters that are the generation before, maybe like myself or yourself, um, is there's just overall in general a lack of understanding of our religion and our obligation. So what happened is because so many women have not necessarily gotten their Islamic education to the extent that they should within their homes, they got more of like a cultural quote unquote education than an Islamic one, and they haven't gotten certain information outside. Yeah, they go to the khutbas or something like this in in the mosques, but they don't necessarily get the full on like, what should I be doing as a female guidance, which is why I think people like maybe myself or yourself are so compelled to do these types of podcasts to really get information and conversations out there. But um, yeah, there's this lack of understanding of obligation and um, where we should be kind of spending our energy and our time. And why? Like the whole why? Like why are women encouraged to be you know, being this motherly role, why this, why that? So everybody's kind of instead, because they didn't get that information, buying into this Western narrative of what you should be doing. And, you know, that's when these these terms like feminism come in and all these things where we're told that, you know, we want to be equal and we want to go out there and we want to, you know, you know, show what we can do. And things get left behind. But I do wanna remind people in, in the times like for example the United States back in the day, especially from the nineteen fifties and sixties, women were at home and that was totally fine. That was never considered not fine. Not until we went into wars and things like that, where they needed women on into in the job and you know force because the men were overseas you know in war did women all of a sudden they were encouraged and the narrative changed and they used it against us to pull us out of our homes so we could go into the the workforce because the men were now um fighting overseas so there was there was an agenda for the people who pulled us out of our homes to do that and and now we it kind of stayed we're like oh we have all these extra people working hard and now we're there and there's this still lack of understanding and education from our own people about the purpose of our role and there's this equality that we're, we're encouraged to strive for as opposed to equity which is what islam inc- encourages so that's what i mostly see when i talk to people it's hard to conversate because they're not coming from the same place of that of, of what islam is calling for us to do and why
3: yeah that's that's true because um people can can view it this as a bit of an attack that we're trying to make women go backwards that somehow um no don't don't go out to work don't don't have your money and the thing is that in Islam, and it's easy to then see their point of view that because islam says you can work because it says you can keep your money it's like those two things have been really latched onto. and and i would even say i would uh, you know as well although okay this is a women's podcast so i don't really talk about men and men's views that much but there is, from what I have heard from uh, working sisters is that they say, well, their husbands, they say, yeah, you've, you should go out to work and you should contribute. And why don't you contribute? I can't do all of this. And sometimes when they want to stay at home, their husband is saying the opposite to them. And so I think husband, uh, you know, that's something that, uh, you know, that's a difficult conversation for them to have but. Yeah. Um, both the husband does need to realize, no, she does not have to. That's the right Allah given her. You can't take that away from her. Um,
2: well, some men also tell the women that they should work and then they should contribute ooh. to the, the, the bills and so forth, which is actually not permissible. Women should not be obligated to do that if she chooses to. And the husband, you know, says, could you help me for a while? And, you know, and then in, I'll take over again. And she says, yes, we're going through a tough time. That is her, you know, her right to choose to do that, but it's also her right to choose not to do that. And at the end of the day, again, I think there's this lack of understanding of our rights and in, in our place and our roles. And, um, I think you know, just the whole idea of motherhood and this domestic life, quote unquote, has been, it, it, you know, it, it, such a dark shadow has been casted on it that it's supposed to be something shameful and, and and old fashioned and barbaric, and it's something extremely beautiful. And what I think that I've learned over the years that has helped me to shift in my perspective is understanding in depth this, like, more of like the psychology of children and kind of the long-term, short-term effects of certain type of parental care. And as I've gotten to understand how extremely detrimental the absence of a parent or certain behavior from one parent to a child or both parents to the child can be long-term and how it destroys self-esteem and self-worth and it leads to these things that we have now like major depression or suicide or all these other huge societal problems that we have, I realized, oh my goodness, a He's the creator. He knows what we need. And, and so, the, the thing I love about Islam, um, at one point, I came across an article by, um, I think it might be also part of a book that he has, by Jamal Badawi. And um, it was uh, called Gender Equity in Islam, the Basic Principles. And it just, I got the idea that equity trumps equality. And that's because equity, equality says everybody gets the same thing. And inequity equi- says no. That doesn't make any sense because women and men, they're different in some things where they they need different things. So in equity, everybody gets what they need. For example, in Islam, women, when they're fasting, if you they have their menses to fast it could be extremely uh you know painful or if they're pregnant they cannot be expected to fast this is this is just ridiculous this is too difficult any woman who's had a baby should know that not that i I haven't fasted while being pregnant but i'm just saying should it be difficult you you have this beautiful right to to say no and then you know take care of it later and subhanAllah that is a mercy. That is not, that is not me losing my rights. That's me having additional rights. That's me having the right to speak up for my body and say, this is not going to work for me right now. So that wouldn't be the same case for a man, right? Because he wouldn't get pregnant and he wouldn't have to deal with menses and all these things. So I think these are just beautiful gifts that were given. And I have no idea, you know, I make a joke with, um, it's funny, you know, whenever I I work with a lot of non-Muslims, right? So these are touchy subjects we're discussing. Mm. So whenever they're like, oh, you know, did your husband, you know, tell you to stay home, but you told and you're going to go to work. And I always make jokes with non-Muslims. A lot of Muslims, they feel like extremely like uncomfortable and awkward talking to non-Muslims about our rights and work and things. And I always make it a joke. I, I learned this from Yusuf Estes. It's, it's so much more beneficial. The more comfortable you come off is the more comfortable they'll be. The more awkward you behave is the more awkward the conversation becomes for everyone. So what I do is I joke. I go, "Okay, oh gosh, you guys are so funny. You know, us Muslim women, we have it so easy. We could make as much money as we want. And at the end of the day, we don't have to pay for anything. Matter of fact, our husbands take care of everything. They pay for our phone, they pay for our car, they pay for our bills, our clothes, everything. Why would I want to not be a Muslim woman? That's crazy. I don't even have to work if I don't want to. And these women lean in, they're like, Can you hook me up with a Muslim man? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, no, that's not how it works. But no. if you want to talk to me about Islam, I'll talk to you about You know, but subhanAllah, they start to become jealous. They don't realize how amazing we have it. We don't have to be a single woman ever in the world just surviving. You know, we, are, we can return to the houses of our family. Our family will care for us. Or, we, or the husband will be obligated to take care of, like, a situation. It's beautiful, the protections we have. I would never want to give those up. And I think women don't realize, like, they're giving up, like, Alexis for a hoopty, I like to say. Like, they're trying to, like, go backwards when they go to this whole equality
3: thing. No, thank you. for me, I feel we're gifted something very beautiful. you know it's and I think this is what we i i, I think when I, the thing that did that changed me when I stopped working, i actually had i had to stop work, stay at home, and then I had time to actually we re- like you're saying to read and gain knowledge about um well about lots of aspects of Islam whilst I was working, yeah. I didn't have the time
0: to yeah.
3: um to read a translation of the Qur'an, read the dafsir the, to, <coughs> now that I'm home, I, you know, I've then signed up to um, Islamic studies courses and I thank Allah that it not working was the best thing I ever did because it then, and, the th- and what's interesting, we worry that if I don't work, my risk will go down. That's mm-hmm. what I believed. I thought, Oh, I'm not going to have money. Mm-hmm. And it's, our risk already fixed. It will come yeah. whether you, you know, if you're slogging your guts out, you know, nine to five or not, it, it will come to you. But this is the thing that if, um, how would you like, um, it's like we have to unprogram ourselves. I know I've had to deprogram myself um, to get out the, those ideas that are the incorrect ideas I had adopted through the education system, through the movies I've watched, through the books I yeah. read that says, you need to be a career woman and that's when you'll be happy. Um, mm-hmm. and, it's, and it's really, I've come to the point where, you know, liberal secular societies, they, they view motherhood as merely an inconvenient interruption to a woman's working life. So yeah. if that's where we're thinking, I, and okay, here we have for, um, maternity. So you literally, you have your baby, you know, you'll have nine months um, off, but then you put, you put your child in daycare and then you go back to work and you feel guilty. That's And that is not good for a woman's health. The amount of guilt mothers feel, you know, and that causes so many problems. And then what effect, again, childcare here, I, um, that's, a you know, the regulations, with, you know, they have this idea that um, you they have inspections. But I was speaking to a sister who's worked in daycare and she said, it's awful. I'm, I'm still trying to persuade her to come and. <laughs> on the podcast you know um but the things she told me were just shocking in really expensive ones or you know but you know that's something we think if we once our children go to de- you know um a five-star daycare place they're going to be okay but really we're the mums we know yeah what's best for them or another family member who loves them mm-hmm. you know who isn't doing this just for you know minimum wage
2: yeah i um, learned that
3: no one's going to take care of a child like you at desert. all.
2: Because yeah. there's a point where every human being, they run out of patience and when it's not their child and they don't have the empathy and the love and the care, they might just, you know, come out in a way that that is not the best, you know, version of themselves. And unfortunately, it might come out on our child. So that's something that I find like, yes, for sure. And I've seen that time and time again. And, you know, to your point where you mentioned about um the uh, the author, um, Anne-Marie Slaughter, with the whole like women, you know, can and can't, can't have it all this whole conversation. And, um, you know, what I would say to that is I'm not I don't think both of us are trying to say don't work at all. I think we're saying be acutely aware of what comes with that and the rights of the people around you, because what happens is I believe you can have it all if you understand that you can't have it all all of the time Mm -hmm. so there's going to be these moments in your life where you can have a career time and there's going to be these moments where you're going to notice things are affecting your family and you have to stop and say well this is not the time for that. For example, when you have a new baby, I see women wanting to do startup companies. That would not be the most ideal no. time. You know, no, but I see them like totally, I could do this. I could too. Can you help me sister? And they're coming to me for, because they know I've done all types of work. And I said, I would just tell you right now, that child has more rights over anyone else that you could possibly owe anything to. I said, you have to think of the child because these are, these are, if you, if you study the biology and the psychology and the science around these parts and times of our lives and the connection between the mother and the baby, I think you and I were speaking to this, that these are precious years and you don't get them back. And if they're not handled properly, there are long-term ramifications for things like self-esteem and so forth. And so that would not be the ideal time. However, once your children were maybe a little bit more grown then they're in school and you feel there's a window of opportunity, then you go and try it. But the moment you feel things are a little bit stressed and not working out and we could talk in a second, as I know maybe you were going to ask me about uh, some suggestions, like you might have to pull back. And there's this 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 dance that we have to learn to do in in this balance of knowing when to when not to when to when not to and there might be seasons of my life or your life when working might be appropriate and there might be seasons when it's not but being completely conscious and mindful of when the proper times are is what I think is what we're called to do as women because yes we are encouraged to get educated and work if we can still fulfill our obligations to those that we love that we can give them their rights and we will all be asked about those rights. So if that can be fulfilled in that moment in time, that's great. There could be a year or two later when it's not, and then it comes back again. So that that gentle, delicate balance, I think.
3: I, I, I think that's really good advice. That, that That's a really good way to sum up how to approach this, this subject. And what would be your, so for, um, you know, there may be uh you know, alhamdulillah, much like it lots of different types of women listening to the podcast that, you know, um it's it's because uh, I know I actually have a lot of people who aren't mums, but inshallah, in the future they will be mums. So yeah, how would I think you- it's
2: great to know this before? I think so many things yes. before we became parents, before we, married, before we got married, before we got careers. So for sure it can always be beneficial to all to all. Yeah.
3: So them. what would be like what would be okay, I know um like i i'm i'm thinking uh to, uh you know you mentioned gain knowledge about your um role as a wife and mother would you say that is a starting point for all of us for sure for sure because the thing is the moment we take on these
2: different roles like the prophet peace be upon him, always said we were all the shepherds of our sheep there are different roles that we take and once you're in a leadership leadership position, right? As a mother, you're in a leadership position. You're not in, you're not on the, on the you know, the, you're in, in the situation where you're in a lower ranking. No, you're in a very high ranking. You're in a leadership position as a mother, as a wife, you're in a leadership position. These are not positions of weakness. You have a team that you have to guide, you know, under you, which are the children, or it could even be at times, you know, the husband, because you you and your husband will flip between roles where sometimes he will come to you and he will need you just like the way the prophet peace be upon him. He, would, he came to Khadija and he said, cover me, cover me. There's times where your husband is going to be moments of vulnerability where you have to be that voice of reason and advice. So we look at each other with a mercy and to first know what I, uh, are my own rights as a woman. So you, you can make sure that you maintain your rights. And then the rights of the other people I am in care of as a leader is extremely critical because the moment you know, then you know what to focus your energy. You know when to pull back, like we were talking about. You know where the boundaries are. You cannot define the boundaries of when people are violating you or you're violating other people or you're not giving rights or so forth if you don't know where the boundaries are in the first place. So for sure, the first step I would think is to do your research and understand what your right is as, as a woman and what's the husband's rights, what are the children's rights. And the moment I realize those, it put everything into perspective and I knew where I needed to stop and start in that, in that road for my career.
3: Mm-hmm. And so then how can we as Muslim women count, like, uh, what's the word kind of like put a force field around ourselves to prevent um, absorbing, you know, the, the, the opposite views that are given to us on a daily basis about motherhood and, and working yeah, I think it's hard because
2: mm. like nowadays there's no, um, there's not these, it's it's not like, see a long time ago in the, in the time when people were studying, there would be like, you only get from, from certain sources of information. Now everybody's like a sheikh. There's like sheikh Google yeah. and you just go on Google and you could take information from anywhere and you're like, everybody, I call this when I was used to give a halakas, I used to say, stop shopping for fatwas. Oh, I want someone to tell me it's okay to, to pluck my eyebrows, so I, I listen to this sheikh, but that sheikh I'm not going to listen to. But the minute I want to know if I can marry this guy and not that guy, I'm going to go to the other sheikh. So stop shopping for fatwas. We're just looking for the answers we want, and we're not willing to sacrifice and say, but what's really the right thing here to do? So I think we have to be very careful, first of all, where we get our information from and where and who we spend our time with. If I spent the majority of my time in a circle of non-Muslim women, and I'm not saying that that's not appropriate, you can have non-Muslim acquaintances and so forth. But if I spent the majority of my time seeking uh, advice and things from this particular group, that group would give me the advice that those people would give to anyone, which is their perspective on life. So I should not expect anything but that perspective. But I should put myself in circles of ilm and to watch where I get my sources of information from, so circles of knowledge. So I, I purposefully like make sure I'm close with some sisters of knowledge and I make sure I ask certain sheikh or certain groups specifically and i make sure there's sound groups and that's where i get my information from i just don't do and follow the mainstream i rarely honestly follow the mainstream because it's often trending it's trending on whatever is working for someone else that they need from me they need usury like something from me so i'm not interested in that i'm looking for that consistent islamic base and so just learn to get your information from the right sources and just surround yourself from the around the right people yeah that's what i would say
3: that's i think that's brilliant advice um sister. so if sisters um want to hear more about your work and, and what you do how can they um how can they get in touch with you or you know you, you have a website that, that's why isn't it yes
2: um i have a website and i have a podcast as well i know that's how we connected with each yes. other my, my website is uh, www.mindful-. Muslima, M-U-S-L-I-M-A-H.com. But most people know me for my podcast. I'm on Apple, Stitcher, i across 10 platforms, Anchor, but it's Mindful Muslima Speaks. Mindful Muslima Speaks. And that's where I cover a lot of these issues. And I'm actually really, really grateful for your podcast because you're also covering, we, we sometimes cover similar things, but sometimes we, we, we cannot cover everything. So there's beautiful topics that you cover that I, 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 cannot get to and and I love to listen to your podcast so we kind of all complement one another but all towards the same goal of empowering ourselves as women and you know just really coming together as a community so just like for your podcast as well
3: yeah I'll put links to to yours um and at the moment um you're what you're covering dating and relationships which I must admit I don't I um I'm not going I don't think I will be covering that (laughs) and so I'm so happy you are because it's hard. I tell them to go to yours. (laughs) Oh,
2: you're so funny. Yeah. And then when it comes to like, you know, things (laughs) with feminism and stuff, I shoot people to you and certain things for parenting, because it's like, like we all have these experiences. Yeah. Right now. And then I actually have, um, a webinar that's going to launch probably right before this airs on January 7th. And I have a course that it was actually only going to be um, available for a limited time up until January 18th. I believe that the doors will be closing for that because it's not an open course all the time because I'm going to give some one-on-one help with women, but it definitely is. I'm doing a love series right now. Um, oh, okay. And uh, it's all about like, why can we date in Islam? And, and why can't we date in Islam? And like all of like men and women being friends and how to find spouses, cultural ways versus like Islamic ways, again, educating ourselves in women. Too many situations I talk to women about is just they don't know where the lines are drawn and they're they're coming into horrible situations, kind of something with the career thing. And they don't realize that that is actually not the right way to approach things. And that's why they're having trouble. Had they gone the Islamic way, same thing with the career, it would have been so much easier. So I think the more we come together and we share this information, I'll give you a link for that. Um, yeah, it's it's great. And we should just keep, keep reaching out to each other and trying to educate ourselves as much as possible. It will only benefit our children because they'll be one step ahead, a leg up than, than what we had.
3: Yes, inshallah. Um, okay, then. So, inshallah, we'll speak again soon. Assalamualaikum. Wa alaikum assalamu alaikum.
1: Have a catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.